Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. I'm going to give you the number uh, that you can text your uh, questions to. This is um, a number that doesn't have any contact information saved, and so, like, I don't have your number. And so if you text your number to me, or if you text a question to this, I can see it on my phone, but I can't see who you are. So um, I just say that because some people prefer to be anonymous with their questions. So we have some questions that came in, and um, some good questions. Very good questions. Some, there are no bad questions. Maybe. But all the ones that came in are good. Funny story before we jump into it, Joey. This is Pastor Joey, by the way. Um, funny story before we get into this. So we posted this on Instagram. We said, hey, you know, text your question. And um, we had someone from our church text her question. She texted her question. I don't know what her question was, but she texted her question to, to the church. And the church responded to her text, which we're not supposed to do. And it said, I'll give you right now exactly what they what the church said. The church said, yeah, you got me there. <laughs> and then she was like, that's weird. Why would the church text me? Yeah, you got me there. <laughs> she texted a complete stranger her question. <laughs> she had the wrong number. She texted a complete stranger a spiritual question. And the stranger responded, you got me there. <laughs> so make sure you got the right number down. That, uh, that, would, be, that would be a good one. True story. Um, all right. First question. And it got theological real quick. So uh, we're going to try and elaborate as much as we can. We also want to keep it moving so we can get all the questions. And, um, yeah. So this first question is, can you talk about heaven? Will this earth be made new or will this earth be destroyed? So that is an eschatological question. Eschatology is the study of the end times. Just by a show of hands because this is some things that I've been wrestling with as a pastor as well. Uh, as far as preaching on these types of topics, how many people would actually like enjoy like a four-week series on the end times? Raise your hand if that's something that you would enjoy. Okay, awesome, cool. We're going to... Make that, we'll make that a priority. We'll definitely get that in there. Um, so when I think about heaven, um, I think uh, you can't really understand heaven unless you understand the context of creation. And so for me, and, and with the Bible, what the Bible teaches us is that this whole life is a story. It's a story. And this story has four parts. Part one is creation. God made the world perfect. I hate when people come up to me and say, hey, why did God create cancer? Why did God create, you know, uh, paraplegics? Why did God create blindness? God didn't create any of that. When God created the world, look in Genesis, he created this world to be perfect. And that needs to be the foundation of your theology because you don't really understand heaven or earth in, the final, in its final form if you don't understand earth in its first form. It was perfect. Everything was perfect. We're the one that messed it up, all right? So tap your neighbor and tell him it's your fault, okay? It's your fault. And, uh, and, and so the second part of the story, the second part of the story, the first part of the story is creation. The second part of the story is the fall. And man made a bad choice. We made a bad decision. We disobeyed God. And through our disobedience, sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, so did sickness. And so did debt. And so did AIDS. And so did cancer. And 
so did all type of hatred, and so did rape, and so did abuse, and um, so did racism, and all these things entered into the world. The third part of the story, though, is called redemption. So if you're taking notes, we've got three parts of the story so far. Creation, fall, redemption. On the redemption part of the story, that is where Jesus came uh, to, to find those who were lost. And uh, I like to think of it better, actually, you know what, just to simplify, I like to think of it as a story of a teddy bear, all right, and a toy maker. So I'm going to give you the story of the teddy bear, the toy maker. And, uh, and so there was this toy maker who made a teddy bear, and the teddy bear was beautiful. But one day, the teddy bear got up, walked away, suspend disbelief for just a second to work with the metaphor, and got wrecked, got messed up. All right, now this teddy bear is lost. He left the house of the toy maker. He's beaten up. He's got an eye hanging out. His, you know, cotton is popping out. Um, well, the first part to restoring the teddy bear is we got to go find the teddy bear. So the toy maker comes out of his toy shop and he finds the teddy bear. That is redemption. Father God, in, in his son, Jesus Christ, came to earth to find that which was lost, to redeem it, to, 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 to use it once again. Now, it doesn't end there, okay? And I'm going to get to heaven, I promise. Like, this is the heaven question. I'm going to get there. Um, the story doesn't end there. And that's good for you and me to know because how many people know that when we get saved, we still got fur popping out. We still got eye sockets, you know, <laughs> hanging. We, we get redeemed. Jesus finds us, but our life is still in disarray. That's because we've experienced redemption, but not yet the fourth part of the story. And the fourth part of the story is restoration. And now this is what's happening. We are actively being restored. The Holy Spirit, who is our sanctifier, he is actively restoring us. Every day, he is sewing us back together and making us more like the image of his son, Jesus. Now, while we are being restored, and so we don't, so heaven, heaven is the ultimate restoration, where the first picture looks like the last picture. But we're not waiting for heaven to be restored. That's why I brought all that. We are being restored right now. And I'll take it one step further. As believers, if you're a Christian, your job is to play a part in the story of restoration. You and I, our job is to make earth more like earth was in Genesis. And so that's why we get involved in social issues. That's why we speak about poverty. That's why we speak about abuse. And that's why we help those who are addicted to drugs. Because we are trying to restore the world back to its former order. But Jesus Christ will return one day. Somebody say amen. That is our blessed hope. And on that day, he will finalize restoration. He's going to make it whole again. He is going to bring earth to its, to its initial uh, position. Now, the thing about heaven, heaven is a mystery. And the truth is that Jesus talks more about hell than he does about heaven in the Bible. And that's not because he's a mean God. Um, one theologian said it this way. The reason why Jesus doesn't describe heaven is because heaven is indescribable. Come on, that's God. The reason why we don't hear a lot of it about uh, a lot of it in comparison to hell um, is because it's so beautiful. It goes beyond description. So we have ideas of what heaven will look like, um, where the streets are paved with gold. You might have heard, but the truth of the matter is, heaven is so beautiful, so uh, indescribable that it's hard to share what what heaven is about. But we do know that heaven is where you go when you die, and then on the new earth, heaven will actually come to earth. The new Jerusalem will come down to earth. And, uh, and that will be, and so the earth doesn't get destroyed, by the way, the earth gets transformed. And so uh, it gets transformed, it doesn't get blown up. Um, the Bible does teach that there's a fire that kind of purifies the world. The end, end, end of days, you and I won't be around for that. Um, and, then, uh, and then God makes it anew, and the earth will look once again like it was in creation. And the beautiful thing about it is there's a tree of life there, just like there was a tree of life in the book of Genesis. It is a complete I don't want to say 360. Yeah, 360. I was like 180, 360. 
270. It's a 360. It's a complete 360. Um, Jesus is bringing it back. Um, I can't wait for heaven, um, but I am not. Uh, my life is not. I don't talk about it often. I can't wait to get there. I got a, a baby boy who's there I can't wait to meet. And I'm sure we all have loved ones. And so that's more of the hard answer for the new heaven and new earth. Um, I wanted to, and Pastor Jay, do you have anything to add to that? I was going to invite you to come up to maybe share a little bit, the new heaven, new earth, if you wanted to. Yeah. Did you want to share maybe a minute or two on that? Oh, by the way, this is Pastor Jay. And uh, he is not a pastor of our church, but he's a member of our church. And I love to pick on him for things because he's super smart. <laughs> so uh, go ahead, uh, Pastor Jay, uh, um, add to that. We, we have the problem that Did you stand, Pastor, <clears throat> sorry, just so they could see you. Thank you, sir. We, we have the, the problem that we try to compare heaven to a place where it's um, no pain, uh, no devil, and no hurt. But heaven is not necessarily a place. It is a place. But heaven is, is more like a person. Eternity is not just to live forever. Christ says he is eternity. Meaning what makes heaven heaven is not the, the streets of gold or the, yeah. or the sea of glass. Is that Christ is it's good. There. It's good. Yeah. And if my question is to my students all the time is, when we get to heaven, if Christ is not there, will we want, would we want to stay there? Right. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Okay. Yeah. Give it up, Pastor Jay. So good. Yeah. What makes heaven heaven is Jesus. And by the way, we do a lot of worship in heaven. So five songs is a lot for you. <laughs> you better get right. Okay. Because you're not going to like heaven. All right. Uh, next question. You got to speed it up. How do you know what your purpose is? This is a new one. <laughs> I sent you like five that we got ahead of time. But this is new. So, Joey, how do you know what your purpose is? I think there's a couple of things um, you can do, things that I've done. I'm just speaking from my personal experience. One, obviously you're praying. You're asking God for direction. Um, but also I believe there's a lot of practical things you can do from taking personality test, spiritual gift test. And then lastly, I would just suggest even just trying out different ministries, different things. And um, sometimes you just don't know until you kind of just get into it. But um, I believe that a lot of your passions, a lot of your talents, I believe a lot of times will be connected to the purpose that God has for your life. Yeah, I think if you're waiting for your purpose to get involved in something, you've got it wrong. I think you get involved in something and then you find your purpose. My question is always, how does a baby, how does a baby bird le learn that he was born to fly, that his purpose is flying. Gets pushed off the tree. And then as he's flailing to his death, he's like, oh, snap. I can fly. <laughs> and I honestly think that there are people who will grab a microphone and try and preach and will feel like they just crashed. Other people who grab a microphone and they preach and they feel like they're flying. And you'll never know unless you grab the microphone and preach. And you'll never know if you grab the microphone and sing. You'll never know if you go on a missions trip. You'll never know. And so, you know, try new things. Can Pastor Joey please try tasting different coffee types? I'm sure he'd like it. <laughs> Only if you're paying. <laughs> Only if you're paying. How do you know if you're ready for baptism? I say that if, as soon as you're saved, you're ready. I think uh, a water baptism is a public a declaration of some of an inward decision, and uh, we actually have baptism coming up at, end, at the end of the month if you'd like to sign up for that. But I think that you're ready as soon as you've accepted Jesus. Awesome. Would it be okay for an openly gay or bi person to be actively involved with Journey? Example, be part of the worship team 
or work in the kids' church? So to that question, I would, I would first say, if you're texting this um, and you're here tonight or you're listening to the podcast, um, thank you for being a part of our church. And uh, you were the person that we created this church for. Um, when we say Jesus should be accessible to anyone, we, we had you in mind. We had it in mind for those who could not find a home in any other uh, religious or, or spiritual context. This is a question that hits home for me. Um, I've got uh, 11 uncles and aunts on my father's side, of which four are openly gay. And I've had Thanksgiving with them. I've had Christmas with them. My kids hang out with them. They love them. Um, they're a very important, that community is a very important part of my, of my, of my family. And so thank you for being here. And, uh, and also, if you're here and you've been coming to our church, that also means that you, you, you haven't been feeling judged, that you haven't been feeling ostracized. And I think that was the heart uh, when we decided that we would open our church to people who can believe, who can belong before they believe. Um, at the same time, I want to say that the question is not fair. And I think why the question isn't fair is because you want a statement, but I much prefer conversations. Um, we live in the Twitter world where everything needs to be summarized in 140 characters or less. And we don't want to hear the story and we don't want to hear the context. We just want the statement. But behind every statement, there's a story. And um, as much as you want my answer, I want your story. Um, if you really want to know the answer to that question, I would love to have coffee with you. I would love to have lunch with you. I would love to go to your house, have a conversation with you, and, uh, and, and hear it. Because it's just not fair um, to make a blanket statement like that, especially to a community who's been ostracized by the church and has been kicked out. And so I say one thing that gets cut and clipped, and uh, that's all you hear. Um, we, we are a church that espouses traditional Christian values, but we also are a church that espouses Christ's values. And the closest Christ ever got to a tweet, the closest Christ ever got to summarizing the Bible was uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so we are going to take a stance on love and then have conversations about the other things. And so love to have a conversation with you on that. Love to have a conversation with you. Um, how does Journey use the tithe? Uh, first off, thank you for tithing. Or maybe you're asking this question because you haven't been tithing. And you're, hey, before I give it, I want to know where it's going. You got some nice sneakers. Uh-uh, my wife shops at Goodwill. Come on, baby. And so, sneakers. How much were these shoes? $30. Come on, somebody. And this shirt? $3. Um. We actually write into our constitution and bylaws uh, a, a percentage cap limit on our spending so that we, are, uh, that we cannot go past without approval from our board. Um, and so that number is, I'll give it to you right now, is 35% salaries, which if that number sounds large to you, you need to know that the national average for salaries at a church is 45%. So we are 10% below the national average on that. Um, we just feel like ministry belongs to the church, not to the select few. Um, and so we want ministry to be in your hands. Um, that's what Timothy, that's what Paul told Timothy, said, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so there's that, 35% um, salary. We do 35% building, uh, so that's rent. Um, and then we do 20% uh, ministry and operations. And so that's any equipment you see, uh, anything that it takes to run the ministry, snacks for the kids, um, curriculum for the kids, uh, stuff for Journey Youth, uh, and then we do 10% in giving. So we are a tithing church. So we tithe 10% um, of, of all of our giving, um, 
as well. And one of our values is be, being irrationally generous. We are a giving, giving church. And I want to encourage you, if you're not a tither, um, it's not about the money. It really isn't. God does not need our money. Um, it's, and I believe in the 10%, but I also believe that the real spirit behind the tithe is the first. And so when the tithe was first instituted, it was about giving God the first. And uh, how many people know it's, it's, something, it's, it's one thing to give God the first, it's another thing to give God the last. People ask me, why, why, why would God say the first and not the last? Because when you give the last, you know what you have left. But when you give the first, you're not really not sure what's going to come after. And it's our way of, of uh, putting our trust in God. And so I encourage you, we do do something at Journey called the Tithe Challenge, which if you sign up for it on our website, um, it's three months. It could be based off the book of Malachi. You can tithe for three months. And if at the end of the three months, for whatever reason, you want your money back, we'll give it back to you. Every single cent. Um, no questions asked. We won't ask, you know, any questions. So, yeah. Um, how can I get to my full healing in Christ? I would say that um, there are some things that God will do immediately in our lives. And then I believe there's some other things that will take a process, take some time. I believe that uh, when we pray, uh, it's by faith that we are healed, and, uh, but it's also sometimes uh, a, a process, and I think there's some practical things in that as well from just, um, you know, being watchful of who you surround yourself with, uh, what you're feeding your spirits, um, you know, being sure you stay away from certain places, certain things, but that you can be healed, you can absolutely be healed, and I believe that God is always ready and willing to heal us. That's cool. I would add to that that, you know, one, you got to manage your expectations. Like, if you've, been, if you've been suffering abuse for 20 years and you just gave your life to Christ, you cannot expect, you know, to undo in two minutes or two months 20 years of damage and hurt. So you got to give yourself some slack. And I would also say that much like, much like our perfection, Jesus says that we are, we, are perfect in, in, we are perfect in standing but not perfect in state. And so that when we stand before Christ, we are perfect because the Father sees the Son. But at the same time, we are being worked on. So here's how I would say it. I'd say we are, you are being healed and you're healed. And so you are, you're in the healing process, but you've got to change the narrative. Because if a lot of people who are, will, a lot of people will come out of there. You know, one of the really cool things, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they come out the fire, that their testimony is not just, not just that they survived the fire. One of the greatest parts of their testimony is that they didn't smell like smoke. Come on, somebody. Because I know people who will go through stuff and be talking about the stuff they went through for the next 20 years. Like, come on. Come through the fire, and you don't have to keep talking. Don't even smell like smoke. You know what I'm saying? People ought to bump into you and have no idea that that happened to you when you were younger because you don't smell like it anymore. So I feel like a lot of times you got to change your narrative and change the label on you. I'm doing that as a parent now. My boys are already starting to fall into their, like, labels, and a lot of it's my wife's and my fault. Um, both of our <laughs> fault. My wife's and my fault. Because... We'll be like, we'll be like, oh, you're funny. And then we'll be like, oh, you're smart. And now we, we see them living up to their labels. And so the one won't crack a joke and the other one won't answer the question because they've been labeled already at such a young age. You are not sick. You are healed. You are not depressed. You are free. While you are working on it, while you are working on it, change the label on your life. But I don't experience it. That's why we are by faith. What we do not yet see. We declare. what We don't live life by feelings. We live by, by faith. So I might feel depressed, but I'm going to declare joy over my life. I am joyful while my depression is being worked on. So you are both in the process of healing and you are healed in Jesus' name. Can women become the lead pastor of a church or one of the pastors? 
can women preach? Absolutely. I believe women can definitely preach. Have you never met Jenny Shackelford? Come on, somebody. You not met Jenny? Come on. Or Karina Vasquez? No relation? They're preaching in October, y'all, both of them, on a Sunday. On a Sunday. If you want to hear some women preachers, come. Yeah, absolutely. I believe uh, there is a place, there is, uh, women are just as much called to ministry as men are. And I believe that God's calling us for every single person. So absolutely. Yeah. I think if you ask that question, you probably came across either 1 Corinthians or 1 Timothy, where Paul talks about um, he does not permit women to teach or have authority over a man. And I think one of the things that you have to understand in the context of that scripture is that Paul also said, I become all things to all people so that some might be saved. And there was ways that Paul lived his life that he probably wasn't in agreement with, but that he did if it would save somebody. And so we hear him tell Timothy, um, who was a Gentile, he said, uh, you know, get circumcised. You know, even though uh, circumcision was not required no longer um, because the, the blood price was already spent by Jesus Christ, he tells him to, why? Because he's going to, you know, be in the presence of Jews. And so we're going to do what doesn't offend them so that they would hear the gospel. And what you have to understand about uh, 1 Corinthians, both 1 Corinthians and uh, 1 Timothy, is that they were written to uh, the Greek people who, for them, women did not have a lot of rights. Women, for them, were like children or even slaves in the sense that they really didn't have any authority. And so here's what Paul's thinking. If I put a woman up to preach and everybody walks out of church and nobody gets saved, is that a benefit? Is that a benefit? And so I rather than pull back on some of our freedom, he even says that even though I'm free, I'll sometimes live my life like a slave so that some others can find freedom. And so my belief and the belief of many theologians is that um, Paul was submitting to the cultural mores of the time in order for the gospel to be preached and not be rejected. In his mind, it would be better if a man preached and 50 people gave their lives to Jesus than everybody walked out of church because it didn't fit culturally. Um, and so we don't have those cultural mores today. Um, uh, and so um, we are very open. We have, women, we have a woman pastor on staff um, at our church. And, uh, and so we, we believe in it. Also, um, it is up for debate, but in Romans chapter 16, uh, Paul references someone named Junia, who he says was an apostle. And the name is ambiguous, which means that uh, it can be male or female, but many theologians believe that Junia was a female because Junia is a female, a female name. And he refer refers to her as an apostle, as in a church planter. Um, and so that's up for debate, but there's also that as well. And we do have plenty of Old Testament records of, of women prophets and, and prophetesses and women leaders and judges even, Deborah. And so um, absolutely, if you're a woman, who, and I got an email from a high school girl, sent me an email this past week and said, hey, God's called me to preach. And I was like, go, go after it. Let's go. Uh, we, need more, we need more good women preachers. Come on, somebody yes. say amen. Yeah. Um, is the gift of tongues a true human language meant for interpretation? or a angelic divine language to be used in private prayer? Both. Uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am nothing. And so we see in Acts chapter 2, uh, them speaking in the language of the people who came, who were around on the day of Pentecost. But we also see in 1 Corinthians and other passages of the New Testament where um, it's indiscernible, the, the words that we're speaking and so both, both. And I do believe in, in speaking in tongues. I um, would love to have a conversation with you if you had questions about that. We don't force that on anybody at church. 
Um, I remember when I sat down with someone who's close to our church today, and I love him so dearly. Um, he just didn't grow up in that background. And he was like, hey, I noticed you guys are sons of God. And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, I've never spoken in tongues before. Can I come to your church? <laughs> and I was like, absolutely, man. Come on. And so we would never, that is not a requirement for salvation. Um, and we would never force that on anybody. But I would love to have a conversation with you about it and learn more about it. It's a, it's a great. Um, let's see what's got here. This is a good one. How does a, how does a Christian get out of a rut? That's a great question. I think there's a couple of ways uh, to go about it. Um, I think that one, obviously, uh, to a lot, of the, the, a lot of questions, and even just personally, I always look for the spiritual and also the practical. And so although I'm praying to get out of it, I'm also looking to see, hey, what practically can I change in my life? And so uh, obviously you're praying about it. Uh, you're asking God, you know, for strength. But also depending on what specifically that is, I would say, hey, you know, you need to change uh, maybe the pattern of what's leading you in there or keeping you there. So whether it's people around you, whether it's uh, you need some people to speak into your life, or you need to practically go up to somebody and, uh, and just ha have them hold you accountable, or you just need to get into a group and have them encourage you. I mean, there's just different ways, different things, but definitely doing something um, is the answer simply so that you're not just waiting there and you're just stuck there. It's good. I'm going to start batching some questions together that are similar. One person asked, my question is, if Adam was with Eve and by her side when the serpent approached her, why didn't he say or do anything to protect her from the serpent? And I'm going to combine that question with, should a wife be tithing without her husband's consent when she is the one making the money? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Um, to, to answer that question, so I, the reason why I batched them is because it, it's, it brings up a great uh, question in regards to um, the politics of the home or the government structure of the home. Now, I want to preface what I'm about to say by saying I am nothing if not egalitarian. I am pro-women's rights, and I am so thankful for all of the women who have changed the world. Um, I so happen to be born from a woman. And so, um, you know, I have a lot of respect uh, for for the movement, um, I have a lot of respect for the Me Too movement. Um, I think that um, that it's a shame that globally women are paid less than men and, and, and all of that. Um, and I and I also say what uh, what the Bible says, uh, Paul said. And now there is no longer slave or free, Jew or Gentile, male or female. Um, the teachings of Christ were very uh, were, were very uh, you know scandalous in that sense. Um, that being said, I do believe, and the Bible does teach, that there is a structure to the home. And it is that the husband should be the head of the home. Um, and here's what that doesn't mean, that um, I make decisions regardless of how you feel. And some husbands mean it to take that, and God is not pro-abuse. Uh, he is he's, he's not, not about that. And I always balance that out. I feel like Paul said it best. He's like, uh, wives, submit to your husbands. And then he was like, and husbands, he's like, die to your wives. Mm. So I'm like, all right, now, come on, let's be real. I'll talk to my wife about it all the time. I'm like, come on, now, who got the easier job here, okay? <laughs> you got to submit, but I got to die. <laughs> and here's what that means, and here's the beautiful balance in a Christian. Here's our Christian marriage should be beautifully balanced. Listen to this. It's that I make the decision 
but I have to make sure that the decision is in your best interest. I was hoping for more men from the women in our church. <laughs> that means that I have to die to what? What I want. So although I have the authority, my authority must be used in your best interest. I'm like, you're I mean my wife or the husband's wife. And so going back to the question at hand, um, you know, and when we see when that, when that order is not followed, that's when the home begins to collapse. Adam was next to Eve. And um, the devil was talking to Eve, and Adam chose to let Eve drive the car. Uh, and when he should have stepped up and said, hey, this is the wrong thing to do, and put his foot down. And so I also think that we have a big issue with male passivity uh, in, in, this, in this generation, men just not being men and standing up for their homes. Um, so to answer your question, if you're tithing without your husband's consent, stop tithing. Um, stop tithing. Um, it's not, it's, it's, it's not an issue of salvation. It's an issue of blessing. Um, if your husband asked you to do something that, that would endanger your salvation, that, that would be where I'd put the line. Um, uh, if you were to say something like, don't pray, you know, don't go to church, you know, those types of things. Don't read your Bible. Those types of things require conversations. But um, tithing is, is important, but it's not an issue of salvation. So I would, I would not... I would, I would have a conversation with him if I'm the wife saying, hey, why? And uh, even though it's your money, it's, it's, and that's another thing. I do a lot of premarital counseling, and everybody's like, my money, his money, her money, uh-uh. Y'all's money. <laughs> Y'all's money. I tell couples who are about three months out from being married, it's about time to get one bank account. Um, because what's mine is yours, and what yours is mine. And uh, I can't have a savings, and you have a savings, and, and then, you know, you got a budget. I know some marriages, they, they each have their own budget. That's dangerous. Where your treasure is, your heart is also. So, um, oof, this one's hard. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it. I, see, I don't have to answer the hard ones. I could just pretend like it didn't come in. <laughs> but I want to keep it real. I want to keep it real. You wouldn't know. You would just be like, he didn't get to it. But it's if someone commits suicide, can they still go to heaven? They were already saved. I need to, again, apply context. I am not God, and neither are you. And we are not called to be judge, and we are not called to be jury. We are called to love. And recently there was a story in the Instagram where there was a pastor who, you know, gave his life. And, and if you looked in the comments, there was a lot of see him in heaven, see him in heaven, and and here's my, my stance on, on that is, okay, so for me, Jesus, the main thing, the gospel, I do believe that murder is a sin. I do believe that taking a life is a sin. But I am not going to put myself in a position that of God just did not call me to be judged. And so, and here's the other question. Here, here's, if you know somebody who is struggling with suicide, you want to help them as much as you can. But if the reason why you want to answer that question is out of religious ground, you want to make someone else feel wrong or make someone else, you know, I would just say check your heart. Check your heart. Like what does it matter to you? You know, what does it matter to you? 
So I think sometimes we get way in over our head. And so, um, and, I'm, and if that's a question that if you wish I'd answered that differently, I'm just being honest. I, I, I'd rather be someone who's real than someone who's right, someone who's real than someone who pretends to know all the answers. I don't know that I, I want to, there's what I feel like I know and there's what I feel like I want to say. But at the end of the day, it's what God says. And so I'm going to just let him answer that question. And I'm going to stick to loving people. And so I heard one pastor say one time, why don't we do what God makes clear really well? And the stuff that he doesn't make clear, let's just kind of leave that to God. And so that's my answer. But I will say, if you're one of those people who are struggling with suicide, um, you want to get help as soon as you can talk to somebody about it. Talk to somebody about it. Uh, we have counselors at church who would love to meet with you. Um, there's hotlines, um, but we would love to, love to meet with you about that. So sorry, I wish I could have been more evolved in my answer to that question. But um, we got time for one more. What's the process leading up to baptism? There's a class. On the day you get baptized, we give a class. Um, is it wrong to speak in tongues in front of everyone since they can't understand? <laughs> wrong. What does that mean, wrong? Um, no, you won't go to hell for speaking in tongues in front of somebody. But um, Paul said, um, I'd rather speak uh, 10 words of encouragement than 10,000 words uh, in a language that they don't understand. So, again, my question would be why, you know, why? To impress them, you know, <laughs> to make them feel like less than or, you know, or, or I don't know. So, um, last question. I'm trying to pick a good one. Since we're coming out of 21 days of prayer, Okay, two questions. Um, can you give us some tips to improve or strengthen your prayer life, our prayer life? Okay. Absolutely. I think that um, there's different types of prayers. You can uh, always uh, you know, study the Bible for that. You can go to different uh, devotionals for that, different types of prayers. Um, there's different even uh, ways to study the Bible. But uh, I'm familiar, I'm reminded rather of the, the term ACTS. Uh, which is an acronym of even a type of uh, what to do in prayer. Uh, Psalms has so many prayers as well. Um, yeah, so I think just to strengthen it, I've even known people who to, to write their prayers out. Uh, I've known people who read scripture when they're praying, uh, people who are singing songs when they're praying, uh, so many things, some people who kneel, stand, who walk, who are just driving. And so I would just say, hey, it's not limited just to a certain style, certain time, certain way. Uh, but it's a conversation between you and God, and it's just, you know, just practice. I don't think it's so much necessarily, hey, today I prayed uh, an hour. That means tomorrow I'm going to pray two hours. I don't think it's necessarily that, uh, but rather it's just an converse, ongoing conversation with God. And so, um, yeah, I think to practice, just continue doing it. Yeah. Final question. I am someone who has been through a lot, a lot of addiction, and I know I need more help in staying sober and getting involved in the church. Where do you suggest um, I start? So I, I would say start by getting in a, a journey group and uh, being open about what you're going through with the people around you. And so everyone needs someone in their life that they can open up to about things. And um, there are things that I open up to about my wife, and there are things that I open up to to my best friend. But I would tell um, you know, a friend of mine 
Um, nothing that would damage our marriage or anything like that, but I have people in my life where I'm opening up to. And so you got to make sure that you have someone in your life that you can tell anything to, you know? And if you don't have that person in your life, I want to encourage you to get in a journey group. It's not too late to join. Um, we've got uh, about 30 groups, or 27. How many groups, Karina? 32 groups we have. So there's a group for anything and anyone. And we want to encourage you to get in one and open up. And uh, it's not going to happen on week one, probably, maybe around week six. And I'd also say you don't need to connect with absolutely everybody in your group, but there might be one or two people that you really resonate with. And you just got to have those people in your life that you can say, hey, you know, um, you don't know this. Uh, my wife doesn't know this, you know, but when I travel out of town for work, sometimes I don't behave the way that I know I ought to. Can you pray for me? Can you help me? Can you keep me accountable? Can you call me on the road trips and make sure that I'm living my life the way that Christ wants me to live my life? And the, the short answer to that question is you can't do it alone. You cannot do it alone. You need somebody to do this thing called life with you. You need somebody. So make sure you have somebody. And give it up for Pastor Joey. Amen. Thank you for your help, buddy. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, um, was that good? Would you guys want us to do that maybe once again sometime in the future? Q&A thing? Uh, let me pray with you, and then we'll play some music, and then we can go ahead uh, and dismiss. Um, here's what I'd love to do, by the way. If, uh, if you have a friend, um, why don't you put your arm on your neighbor? Hold a hand or a shoulder. Um, if you came alone, and uh, let's pray for you, pray for you right now. But you came to church with somebody, and uh, why don't we close out together in community, praying for one another? How about that? Let's do it. Father, we love you, and we thank you. We're excited for Vision Sunday. We're excited for uh, what your plans are for our church and what your plans are for us. The purposes over our lives, Lord God. We are trusting in you to fulfill the promise that you made. God, I believe that there are promises over each and every one of our lives. I'm just trusting in you to fulfill it. God, I pray that the people who are being prayed for right now, um, that you would fill in the gap. You are the great I am. So you know when we're weak. Uh, you know where we're weak. You know where we need help. You know where we need strength. Would you come meet us, God, in those areas right now? I pray that you would um, empower every single person uh, praying tonight, that you would empower them, Lord God. Uh, we also pray for the unanswered questions. God, the questions we weren't able to answer, Lord, um, you have the answer. God, and I pray that you would whisper the silence and the quiet, um, that you would whisper uh, the answers to our hearts. We just want to serve you. God, I know that every question came out of a place of obedience. We want to serve you. We want to do our best. We want to help our friends and our neighbors. We want to do the best with what we have. So uh, would you please help us, Lord God? Help us, God. Uh, forgive me, Lord, if I answered any question wrong, Lord God. I did the best that I could with the knowledge that I had with you. Help me grow and help me learn and develop and be a better pastor so that I can help, uh, Lord God. And would you also check our hearts and purify our, our motives, God, that we would uh, serve you in purity, just be the best that we can be, and then let you do uh, the rest. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us, amen at journeyorl.com 
where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.